Hello and welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm Jay and I'm super excited that Beau Lavar will be smuggling explosive cigars onto Ravnica for War of the Spark. I'm Lorelai Weissel, and I can't wait for my favorite planeswalker, Corona, to show up in War of the Spark and break the multiverse once again. I'm Brian Dawes, and I cannot wait to see Garrick coming to reap all the planeswalker sparks on, in War of the Spark. I'm Carrie Thomas, and I'm thrilled to tell you the weather light's back, and it's on Ravnica. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I am in such physical pain right now from all of these answers. That was the plan. <laughs> Welcome back, Jay. For those of you listening at home, we are all being super facetious about this. These are not confirmed appearances in War of the Spark in any way, shape, or form. So please don't take it as that. I am back with a little bit of the con crud after flying out to Seattle for Emerald City Comic Con, where I was on the Storytelling in Magic the Gathering panel. And that's our news for this week, too. So the Emerald City Comic Con panel was moderated by Trisha Narwani, who is the editorial director at Delray. Uh, and then Greg Weissman, Django Wexler, Nick Kelman, Steve Sunu, and me were all there on the panel. It was a lot of fun. I was very nervous, but I made the crowd laugh a few times, so that was good, right? Making people laugh is literally the only thing that has led to my success in my life, so <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's an okay strategy. There was one question where she asked what themes you would like to see explored more in magic and my answer was just goblins <laughs> hashtag on brand so the video for that is up thanks to one of our patrons uh who was attending the panel it's on youtube but you can find it through my blog and we'll link it you can listen to it for yourselves but i'm going to summarize some of the key uh, story information and upcoming story product information for you here so the first revelation the big revelation and the one i'm glad i don't have to keep a secret anymore is that Django wexler is writing tw a 20 chapter prequel novel i'm you can't see my quotation fingers but it's not like going to be one big ebook but it is like a hundred thousand words, so it's it's a novel, even if it's broken up into twenty different chapters. That is going to be available through the Delray website. Uh, we'll post a link for you to sign up for the Random House newsletter in order to get notified when it's out. Uh, it's not really clear how it's coming out. I believe it's going to be posted to the Delray website. But the wording makes it sound like it's only coming through the newsletter, but I'm not sure that that's actually the case. Yeah, that's very confusing. I had reached out to Delray on Twitter asking for some clarification about that, because if it's just through the newsletter, then like, how are people going to read it a year from now if they didn't sign up? So I don't, yeah, I don't know exactly what's going on with that. But as soon as we have more information, then we will obviously let everyone know. So these stories are going to be set during the time period when the Gatewatch are off the plane of Ravnica. So these are the lead-up to War of the Spark. Some of the events might be familiar to you if you've played the last couple sets. Django has 
a new original character he created for his stories named Hikara. Hikara is a Rakdos emissary who is just kind of like just a very happy to be there, happy to be murdering people kind of gal. I think she's going to be really popular. I can't really talk much more about her character, uh, but she is a very interesting Rakdos character that Django invented. Uh, so interesting that Greg stole her to use in the novel as well and associate with one of his original characters. Amusingly enough, during the panel, Django turned to me and said, Jay, correct me if I've got this pronunciation wrong. <laughs> and uh, I told him there's literally no one worse you could ask for that. <laughs> that was the funniest part of the panel. I laughed my ass off <laughs> when i watched it because you are the worst i still say garuk like come on people don't ask me for that i just read the words and type them and then the panel also talked more about uh ravnica war of the spark the novel teo Verada is one of the point of view characters for the novel uh we mentioned from greg's interview on weekly mtg that they're going to be like 11 or 12 point of view characters. Uh, Teo is going to be the new reader entry point character. It's his first planeswalk to Ravnica. Uh, it's his first planeswalk period. And he planeswalks right in to War of the Spark. It's not going to be a very good day for Teo. So Teo, what we know about him, he's a 17 year old uh, from the Order of the Shield Mage on a plane called Gobakan. Now, Gobakan is, uh, it's kind of a desert plain. It's, uh, like a ring of civilization surrounded on both sides by these two giant storms. Greg compares them to the massive storm that's been on, what is it, Jupiter for like, yeah, forever. So there are these two monster storms and the Order of the Shield Mage protects towns and villages from these sandstorms, diamond storms that uh, will strike them every so often. And so that's where Teo's coming from, except he is the worst shield mage in the order. So <laughs> he's got his work cut out for him. He's a noob. I think Teo's going to be a really popular character as well. I can't wait for, for more people to read him. Now I have a question. Yeah. How did they divide up the five colors between the two storm clouds? It's not going to be a magic. Or are there so 10 total stork storm clouds? Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. Just feel like you're denying us cycles we deserve. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very excited to actually get to read the novel because I know a bit about Teo through my work with Arena, but I don't get to read the novel yet like Jay does. So I'm excited to see him in the cards and, and in the story because uh, he seems, from what I learned about him, to be to be a really wholesome cinnamon roll. He, he <laughs> like he he needs to be protected at all costs. He's a good boy. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely a entry level planeswalker. I, I, I think folks are going to like him a lot. The original character for Greg's book, so both Greg and Django created a new character, uh, is a young woman named Rat, who is, she's 16. Her real name is Arathia Shakta. 
she is a young gateless woman who is torn between three guilds, the Selesnia, the Gruul, and the Rakdos, and she hasn't decided which Gruul she's going to side with, uh, which Gruul, <laughs> which guild she's going to side, side with. And they created some concept art for her. The last bit is that uh, Greg's novel too, which we know a second novel was coming, that picks up after the end of the story of the set War of the Spark. So Ravnica War of the Spark tells the complete story of War of the Spark, the set. And then the second novel isn't like a to-be-continued, but it picks up with the ramifications and the loose ends and those kinds of things uh, and tells that story. Now let's move on to our feature for the week, Planeswalkers of War, Part 2, The Bad. Wait, there's going to be bad guys in this story? I mean, maybe. Presumably there are antagonists. Bad is such a general term. I mean, it depends on your outlook, right? I'm sure Nicol Bolas would be the first one to tell you that. That's who we're going to start with. Wait, hold on, though. Because <laughs> now I'm just thinking Palpatine going, Well, Anakin, good and bad are merely points of view. <laughs> You know, I kind of remember him saying something like that. Who knows? What a both-sidesing dictatorial (laughs) piece of trash. The prequels are literally about the rise of fascism, people. Come on, pay attention. They're not so awful. Okay, Nicol Bolas. (laughs) (sighs) Too real, man. It's too real. All right. um, So Nicol Bolas was last seen on the plane of Amonkhet. He was ordering Tezzeret to inform Raoul that to get things ready. And after that, he was, or I shouldn't say he was last seen. Then he hires Vraska to go get the Immortal Sun and um, inform him slash Tezzeret where it is so that they can teleport it off of Ixalan without him having to go there physically himself. We did get a lot of his backstory in the time since Amonkhet about where he is, or where he, his origin story basically about him and Ugin being twins, and about how he rose to power on Dominaria. We didn't get a, a lot about his downfall because I really want to know more about the Umazawa, Tetsuo Umazawa. So, yeah, we, we got the story about how um, Ugin and Bolas were twins, and how, about how they grew apart through Bolas's. Seeking of power through manipulation of other people, including the humans who he feared in some fashion, but wouldn't admit it to himself or to Ugin. And um, got a, a really nice look at how he thinks. More, I mean, more so than we've ever gotten before. And we got a lot more story about how he rose to power in Dominaria. Yeah, I'm very excited because... I want to be done with the Bolas arc so bad. And we finally are. (laughs) But we've been building up for years, so we have various pieces of his plot. The Immortal Sun, the Eternals, the Planar Bridge, Liliana Vess, pawns strewn strewn throughout Ravnica. Like, y'all have a lot of puzzle pieces. And I guess... It will be up to time to reveal what the final puzzle looks like. 
I think we've heavily criticized the Bolas arc in the past, at least in terms of, you know, obviously from Shards of Alara through Scars of Mirrodin, there wasn't really a cohesive Bolas plan. So there are some challenges there. I think the story is going to be enjoyable regardless. I think we need to wait and let people read the novel and see how well it really played out. But I'm also excited to explore new territory. Next up, we have Liliana, born in the Caligo Forest on Dominaria. And you jump ahead a bit, and she made some demon deals. And then you jump ahead a bit more, and she got out of those demon deals. Um, but the arbiter of the demon deals was Nicobolas, and he has now taken her, and she is indebted to him, and may or may not be leading an eternal army on Ravnica. Who knows? You just have a whole bunch of zombies with no real master behind them. Guess we'll find out next month! <laughs> I guess we will. Boo hiss and DAs. <laughs> Liliana, I have to admit, has really grown on me as a character, like, especially in Dominaria, you know, like, Dominaria had continuity problems, but like, Liliana's arc, where she's kind of questioning what she's been doing after her low point on Amonkhet, that I am kind of rooting for her. I've had a phrase about Liliana where I have said, she is a terrible person, but a fantastic character. And I think overall they've done a lot of interesting things with her. And I think people are going to like how she's handled in War of the Spark. All I know is that I hope she she gets really familiar with Davriel. And there and he's able to counsel her on how to deal with these kind of things in the future. Because <laughs> I really don't want to repeat I think she's... this. How to get discount deals. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I do love that Davriel's entire character is an indictment of Liliana, but that's a whole separate topic. So our next character is Raul Zarek. Raul is an interesting character. He first appeared in the Secretist novellas where he was racing against Jace and against time to discover the secrets of the implicit maze. Jace ends up beating him to it. And then when it's time for the actual race portion to be run, he is replaced by Melek in Is It Weird? And is not happy about that. Kills Melek. Uh, destroys Melek when he says, you know, there are no rules to this race. And then he had like a, a big confrontation with Jace where he basically didn't care all that much about winning at that point but definitely didn't want jace to proceed since then jace and Raoul have kind of made amends a bit they're not i wouldn't call them friends Raoul comes to jace when project lightning bulb bulb <laughs> project lightning bug becomes dangerously close to revealing the existence of planeswalkers and Jason Raul kind of fudged the data to get the project shut down. Raul keeps it going and notices that Frasca had an anomalous planeswalk and tells Jace about it uh, during the beginning of the Kaladesh arc, right before Jace gets pulled away. Anyway, again, and before his uh, several-month odyssey away, 
where a lot of other story is going to happen. We learn later that Ral had something to do with Nicol Bolas. We don't know exactly what. All we know is at the end of the Hour of Devastation arc, like Brian said, Bolas tells Tezzeret to go get Ral because his progress is too slow. So where Ral will go as a character in the story, we don't know yet. I mean, I know. You don't know yet. (laughs) But I think it's going to be a very interesting journey. I will say Ral is only a murderer because people wanted a completed cycle of legends at the time. Legendary creature cards. Is it a murder if it's a weird? Yeah, it's pretty pretty much still a murder, Jay. (laughs) Melek has personhood, you racist. Yeah. Melek did nothing wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Did I just reveal myself as a sociopath? I'm sorry. (laughs) Melek's only crime was being a newborn baby. Thrust into adult things like preventing a nuke from going off in the middle of a city. (laughs) It's a lot of responsibility. It's probably good that Rao killed him. Come to think of it. Please. (laughs) Jeez. Anyway, moving on to Homestuck. Vriska is the next... Oh, I'm sorry. Vraska. My bad. Why? I'm I'm sorry. Ashley's not here, so I have to do some of her jokes. So Vraska is another one of Bolas' pawns on Ravnica. She is a Gorgon in the Golgari Swarm. The Golgari have this... Speaking of racists, um, kind of back and forth regime changes between the Dark Elves, the Devkarin, and the, um, I can never say it, Teratogens, to whatever it is, the Gorgons and Crawl and other non-elf people. So they have a bunch of regime changes over the years, and the when the elves are in power, they tend to treat the Crawl and the Gorgons and such as second-class citizens. So Vraska was grew up in that environment, and then she was arrested by the Azorius and beaten in prison, and that's when her planeswalker spark ignited. So she has been on a quest for social justice on Ravnica pretty much her whole adult life. So she has finally done this errand for Nicobolus on Ixalan. She found the immortal son. She delivered it to Tezzeret. Bolus rewarded her by essentially serving up Durad on a silver platter so she could kill him and take control of the guild. So she now reigns as Queen of the Golgari, Bolus Pawn on Ravnica. But she may not stick on Bolus' side, because on Ixalan, her time with Jace, who Bolus does not know was there, opened her eyes to, hey, Nicol Bolus is actually a bad guy with an evil plan. And Jace put a mental ward in her mind to hide his presence and her knowledge of Nicobolus' true plan, which Jace says he will lift at an opportune moment on Ravnica when they attempt to stop Nicobolus. So Vraska's one of these characters who we know has a plot device established. So it's going to be interesting to see how successful Jace's little planned deception goes through Vraska. And when Vraska learns about it, how she deals with the fact that 
she did a bad thing for a bad guy and becomes only becomes aware of it later because to me that seems like a crucial character moment for her so our next character we want to talk about is dovin bon dovin is you know a, a more recent character we've actually learned recently that he was created to be able to fill his role in ravnica later kind of like kaya was dovin was a you know he was kind of a a mid to high level government bureaucrat on Kaladesh. Dovin is kind of that lawful neutral type of character. And he's he's an interesting character because he he's not who you would think of as a bad guy, but because he trusts in authority and the system, he ends up going with Tezzeret. And burning a lot of bridges on Kaladesh? Oh, Jay. You are so naive. He's a cop. Of course he's a bad guy. Agreed. Uh, he's not really a cop, though. He's like, uh, he's like Minister of Inspections or something. He's worse. He's a bureaucrat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bureaucrat, technically. So, Dovin, he... I thought he was very interesting because... His confrontation with Chandra on... What was the renegade ship called again? The belligerent? Kieran. Heart of Kieran? Heart of Kieran. With the belligerent. Wrong thing, sorry. Oh, you're you're talking about Hope of Girapur thing. The Heart of Girapur, that's right. Oh, Hope of Girapur. Hope of Girapur. That was the Thopter. Which, whichever vehicle he has the confrontation on. he's He's got this interesting moment where he disables the ship but, like, he could easily have killed everybody and planes walked away. But he disables it in such a way that they'll have time to make a safe emergency landing and everyone should get away, you know, at the very least not dead. Which I thought was interesting for a bad guy. He still, like, didn't want to kill anyone. And then when we see him again, he's on Ravnica, having stepped into leadership of the Azorius uh, after Asperia's death at the hands of Vraska. So, you know, obviously that's a bit of a coincidence. The The cards are not subtle that he's on Bolas's side in this. And the description from the art book implied that he basically sought Bolas out himself. So what's not really clear is if he's kind of like a... Ra not a Rao, uh, a Sarkhan Val, who was also a bad guy uh at one point but it was because he didn't realize who bolus was as a master or if dovin's just all in i'm a full sycophant to whoever's the most powerful entity and i will enforce their will so it's not really clear uh from what we've seen so far which direction he's gonna go and it's not really his fault either or vraska's for that matter because if you look up the prices for the Legends 2 cycle, I wouldn't even be able to know who Bolas was. Like, I'm not paying that much just to learn about this dragon dude. Seriously. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> it hurts so good. So our next Planeswalker is someone else who's working for Bolas, though it's not as obvious that she's working just because she wants to be working for him. It seems that Kaya, Ghost Assassin, or 
Orzov, whatchamacallit, what, what is her new car title? Usurper. Orzov Usurper, there you go. Kaya Orzov Usurper is on Ravnica at Bolos's behest What because what appears to be he's offering her aid with something related to her family. We don't know the specific details about it yet, but we do know that fresh off of killing Brago on Fiora, she's now here working for Bolas, freeing all the debtors and freeing all their spirits or the spirits of debtors. Um, she's ruling the Orzov as she sees fit right now with Taysa advising to a certain extent. In her stories on Fiora, we got the impression that she had a sense of, she had a, a sort of code of honor or something like that. So I'm not really sure if she takes Bolas fully at his word and that she's fully on his side for all things, which gives me the feeling that she's going to turn sides once the conflict becomes clear about what he's trying to do, because it seemed like she's just there as a mercenary at the moment. So. But that's just speculation at this point. We'll see what happens because we don't know a whole lot about her. And there's a lot to learn. So we'll see how she turns as the story goes on. If there's one thing mercenaries are known for, it's steadfast loyalty. To themselves. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say her debut story. She literally kills her employer. So yeah, not not running too hot on that one. I'm I'm really excited because she was created to fill the role of an Orzhov planeswalker in Bolas's plot, and then seated in Conspiracy 2 so that when she appeared in War of the Spark, she wasn't being seen for the first time. So I like how organic that felt, because we like pretty accurately predicted um, through some of the side stories they were setting up that she was going to kill the Obzadot, and then that did happen but then it happened through Bolas's plan. So I, I really like the way they set her up, established her as a character. Here's her power set. Here's her attitude. Here's the thing she cares about. And then they kind of projected and telegraphed a future event over a couple years, and then we're finally going to get to it. I really like that whole arc and the way Kaya was integrated into this whole process. I think that ended up being really successful. Yeah, like, as as much grief as Watsi gets about the pacing of their story arcs, I do feel like the last couple years they've done a great job of tying up loose ends to a certain extent, and I can appreciate the the stories that are being told, and even if sometimes it's not as clear when things are introduced. You know, that's a really good point, Brian, because if you think about it, through like the last decade of magic history, there are a lot of things that have always been true. Liliana's always been in debt to her demons. Not anymore. Nicol Bolas was always lurking behind the scenes. And now he kills everyone and then himself. Like, there's a whole lot of story potential to go f through from here. You can't just say things like that, Jay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think I stopped everyone's heart. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> then he... Brian was nudging at the loose end of Eladomri, trying to <laughs> trying to pull that planeswalker spark off. Yeah, I mean, we don't we didn't see him die. He jumped off the tree. He he could have survived. There's on screen or on screen or bust yeah 
in all seriousness, it was nice because the whole Orzhov and Kaya plot was reminded to us in twenty in Commander twenty fifteen with the stories there, and then the just one year later, Conspiracy takes the crown brings a ghost killer around. So it was very nicely handled and very very well telegraphed, as Lorelai mentioned, very well foreshadowed. So our next bullet pawn is Domri Raid, who is a very angry little boy. He is a teenager in the Gruul clans, a member of the Burning Tree clan, which is the biggest, and the guild, um, I'm sorry, and the clan led by Borborigmos. The Scottish clan, clearly. Why are they the Scottish clan? Arena voicing. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um... It's it's more English, but oh yeah, uh, Domri's Arena um, dialogue is all very teenage British punk voice. Allison did a phenomenal job there. Domri's always been a little bit of an outsider, even in his own guild. He grew up as an orphan on the streets of Ravnica, was taken into the Gruul, but even within the Burning Tree clan, he was kind of a loner and got along better with beasts and whatnot than other people. So his spark ignited when he, during this ritual where you get buried alive and have to survive for like a day. The stress of that set him careening through the multiverse to Naya, where destiny showed him all these titanic monsters. And he is like, this is dope. So he, he's this powerful beast caller. And we don't know a whole lot about his interaction with Nicobola so far. All, all we really know is that Borborgamos is getting old. And more and more people keep challenging him for control of the Burning Tree clan. Uh, most notably Rurik Thar. But Bolas kind of eggs Damrion and says, Yo kid, take him out. I believe in you. You got this. So Domri basically um, challenges Borgamos to a fight, throws pigs at him until he runs away into the wilderness and takes control of the Burning Tree clan and um, thus functions as the most powerful clan leader in the guild, which is the Gruul's version of Guildmaster. So he's leading all this rioting in Ravnica and increasing their raids on the city to try and literally tear civilization down and return Ravnica to nature where it belongs. And the undercurrent here is um, that uh, Nakia, um, the centaur shaman of the old ways, thinks that Damri's victory is, is the beginning of events that are going to bring back Ilarg, the raised boar who is one of their gruel old gods who will bring ruin to the city. And Damri's kind of like, look, if Ilarg is real, great. He will help us tear the city down faster. If not, whatever. It's up to us to tear the city down anyway. So he's kind of wishy-washy on whether Ilarg even exists or not. But he is just doing Bolus's job of sowing chaos, which was kind of kind of Bolus's key plot maneuver on Alara as well. So he is a naive, kind of dumb little boy who has 
really no idea what kind of situation he is in right now. I'm I'm very interested to see what happens to him in War of the Spark because his staff has bolus horns in that stained glass art now, and that is foreboding and worrying. Like, little Domri, what are you doing? You dumb little prick. Where was he radicalized? On Ravnica! Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> well, when his spark ignited, a spirit ghost from the plane had imbued itself in him and is now tormenting him until he, you know, just serves bigger dragons. No. No? Different are red-green planeswalker? We have so many red-green planeswalkers. <laughs> Our next planeswalker is someone who's very anti-Bolas, Vivian Reed. Um, introduced in... Um, Core 2019? Introduced in Core 2019, Vivian Reed was um, a very unassuming planeswalker card until recently where she's blown up in standard. But we were also given a set of stories um, titled Unbowed, or Unbowed, depending on how you want to put it, because, hey, Hughes is a bow. Yeah, I got there. I really like that story title because it can be interpreted and pronounced both ways and still make sense. Yep, because her bow was taken from her while she was on Ixalan. Uh, the stories were written by Cassandra Kaw. They were a very interesting view into Vivian's train of thought and her time on Ixalan, and it also gave us a lot of revelation about the vampires of Ixalan, but that's a story for another day. Um, but it, it very pointedly tells us why Vivian views Boas the way that she does, and I, I want to know more about her homeworld, um, Scala, but for now we'll have to settle, we'll have to, uh, settle for knowing that she's super angry at Bolas and ready to do whatever it takes to get rid of him. Well, you're going to have a hard time learning about a plane that's been destroyed. I mean, Sarah's wrong. Hey, well, we we learned a lot about Bolas, even though... That's fair. <laughs> I, I thought it was interesting for the longest time that they just, like, kind of threw her into the Magic the Gathering Arena ads. And there was like this little end screen that would pop up, and it was Tafiri, Jace, and Vivian at the front facing Bolas on what didn't look like Ravnica, frankly. Um, but it was like a very short animation that played at the end of the trailer, and I was like, are they really going to put like even more planeswalkers into this set? Because it kind of seems packed. And that was when I counted like 15, so <laughs> things have changed since then, and I'm glad to see her in this story, honestly. The next character we have is Ashiok, and Ashiok was debuted on Theros, um, partially in the IDW comics and partially through the magic story that Uncharted Realms call them. And there were kind of split directions for Ashiok's character at that time. Some of it went to putting Theros into an eternal sleep, told by the IDW comics, but that plotline kind of got left off in favor of the magic story direction. In the magic story direction, Ashiok was negotiating with Phoenix, well, made a deal with Phoenix that would hide Ashiok from the gods and ended up creating a momentary false god. A momentary, not false god, because it was very real in Nyx. No, Cacophony was super real. Yeah, but 
a very momentary god, I suppose is the perfect wording. Um, and Cacophony existed before being snuffed out by Afara, but Ashiok walked away from the experience understanding the nature of Nyx and how um, specifically dreams were influencing beliefs on the plane and how Ashiok could manipulate those dreams to theoretically create godlike beings. Um, the deal did end, though, and now Ashiok is on Ravnica for unknown means. Um, in the stained glass planeswalker art, there are a set of meditation horn-like bolas horns in the background. So I'm slightly disappointed to see horned planeswalkers. Like, for a very, for a very long time, people associated any planeswalker with horns as possibly being associated with bolas. It was like Xenagos, Ashiok, um, Tybalt, literally anybody, because all horns look alike. And I'm a little despaired to see Ashiok possibly associated with Bolas, but at the same time, it's more Ashiok, so I'll take what I can get. It's not clear where that art is meant to take place, because those horns in the background of the, the art could be um you know there are two planes that have like bolus horns just lurking in the yeah. background so it's not clear which one it is i would assume if they wanted it to be Amonkhet, they would have put the sun somewhere in proximity to it but at the same time similar to the portal art that was shown um with nickel bolus and the eternal army around him that was shown in a i believe slideshow at a panel or a slideshow at a is that Toy Fair? Some kind of, yeah, Toy Fair. And so I would assume they would put the suns in the art, but at the same time, like, I don't really mind where Ashiok is. I just want another Planeswalker card, frankly. I don't know. Looking at the art, it does look like it could be hidden by Ashiok's veil, um, but who knows? Yeah, it could be. And then, you know, the the stained glass effect has problems in several of the pieces of the art like i have not seen the dovin bon real art but i doubt dovin only has five fingers in this set for no apparent reason this does bring us full circle to ashiok being from amonkhet though i know i was yes. thinking about that <laughs> if he's on amonkhet i'm like two years too late <laughs> <laughs> but like wouldn't it be hilarious if, like, <laughs> I already got Ugin on Ixalan, and what if Kelly and Allison were over there, like, let's let's just let's just completely f- with Jay even more. You can you can bleep that out. <laughs> I'm here for it. I am here for it. Yeah, all I have to say about Ashiok is like, would be nice if someone who is a major fan of the Dak Faden comic had worked on this novel, huh? Someone who's like obsessive and compulsive and would have thought very, very deeply about what happened after that comic. Well, too bad. Well, Next well. character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, too late. We're going on to Obnixilis, who is awesome. I love Ob so much. He is a demon, but he didn't used to be. He used to just be an angry bald dude who got all his friends killed. Um, no, I take that back. He didn't get all his friends killed. I don't think he has friends. Yeah, that, that I was going to say that. Yeah. 
He's he's really pretentious. He's delightful. But like he's always been violent and and angry, but refined and intelligent and cultured. He is the Bond villain who will monologue because he likes hearing himself talk because he believes he's a genius. And in Ob's defense, he is really smart. He has figured out that the chain veil cursed him horribly. That's how he became a demon. And he figured out that there was potentially a solution on Zendikar with Zendikar's powerful mana. And then Nahiri stuck a hedron in him and it cost him his wings and his spark and depowered him a lot. And he got stuck on Zendikar for centuries. But during his time, he figured out the intricacies of how the hedrons work, how to use them, how to manipulate energy through them, which is really impressive because they were designed by Ugin, who's a Elder Dragon super genius. And then they were constructed by Nahiri using magic that Ugin wasn't proficient at. So like that Ab was able to uncover all that and then use the hedron network during Battle for Zendikar to reignite his own Planeswalker spark is truly brilliant in a way that even Jace should be impressed at because Jace considers himself pretty smart and pretty good at figuring that kind of stuff out too. So I love Ob as a character because he's really smart and he knows what he's doing. He's a little more arrogant than he thinks he is, but he's still pretty far from the most arrogant magic planeswalker and villain like he he's pretty tactical and pretty well understanding of when he is in winning or losing positions or what he has to do to win combat um he is just at his core a warlord and a fighter and i'm very excited that he's back to be fair reverse engineering is easier than initial creation but yes. Oh, certainly. But he's still, like, pretty smart for figuring that out. Because, like, hardly anyone else on Zendikar has. Do we know how long he was actually on Zendikar? At least a thousand years and... Only limited by Nahiri's presence? Probably not more than 1500-ish? So he did have plenty of time to figure it out, but yeah. It's iffy. It's, it's not hugely clear. And, um... and and the lower end of that bound is assuming that the chain veil has something to do with Limdul, but we won't get into that in this episode. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I can't I can't speculate on that kind of thing anymore. But it it would also matter if like the chain veil existed before or after that particular theory. Not that I'm speculating either way, but yeah, yeah, like there's there's a lot of it's the wiggliest of wiggle room that if anyone wants to set a date for Obnixilis trying to get the chain veil like there's a lot of opportunity there we just know that he is millennia old and now is very angry and is showing up on Ravnica and has no association with Bolas he is one of the planeswalkers who's just here for the war apparently however they all get there he does have horns uh, he does have horns, though. That is a good point. Um, he might be related to Tybalt. But we do know that he has sworn vengeance on the Gatewatch, who conveniently are going to be in the set. We also know from Greg Wiseman's interview on Weekly MTG a couple weeks ago that Ob Karn and Dak Faden team up at some point. 
which is fascinating to me because Ob's, like I said, he he's a bad guy, but he's a smart guy and he knows he knows how to think with the tactics that will get him the best result. And if that means teaming up with a goody two shoes like Karn and the greatest thief in the multiverse, then, you know, so be it. So I'm very excited to see how that all happens in the novel. That does add to my belief that the Immortal Sun or something else drew a lot of these Planeswalkers to Ravnica against their will or made them interested enough just to get there and then realize they didn't want, they didn't want to be there anymore. And he was just trying to find <laughs> his way out in an interest of self-preservation. Yeah. In the words of Obnixilis, take me off Mr. Bone's wild ride. <laughs> what? <laughs> What, have you guys never seen Mr. Bones Wild Ride? No. It was a um, roller coaster tycoon, I believe. And it just, like, all the entrances to the roller coaster just led back to, or all the exits to the roller coasters led back to the entrance. And so everybody <laughs> was just complaining the entire ride. I want to get off Mr. Bones Wild Ride. Tybalt, fresh off his battle with Soren Markov, as we all no. know. What? No. Okay, well, maybe he didn't battle with Soren Markov, but he ignited. <laughs> that's, that's the most we can say about him. <laughs> yeah, he didn't battle with Soren. I think that's a big point of contention in the community is that the dual decks existed and then didn't actually have story content to them. And I am the proud owner of the dual deck insert for Soren versus Tipple. I can confirm that there is no additional lore to that battle it was just Soren came or Soren was on Innistrad and Tybalt liked torturing people on Innistrad and they needed two planeswalkers to fight in the block um, and so they decided to put those two against each other Tybalt does not have much story he does appear in the post war of the spark comic so he's a survivor um, and appears in the post war of the spark comic Chandra number one but we have had no additional details on his actual story outside of his ignition, which was being an apprentice on Innistrad and listening to devils and then ending up, he was a human before, and ending up taking the council of devils and also casting a very powerful spell when he was cornered and it ignited his spark and also merged him with assumingly multiple devil beings from Innistrad and so now Tybalt is one being people don't really like the um, metaphysics of that but I think he kind of just merged into one half devil half human thing and is now a planeswalker it's just a weird spark ignition story there's dozens of them it is I think like he I think the simple answer is he didn't really fuse with a specific devil, but he like fused with the devil essence, which turned him into like this human shaped half devil, half devil thing. But yeah, he listens to a lot of an excess because he's got the devil inside. Our last character we're going to talk about today is everyone's favorite murder dad, <laughs> Angrath. I got to admit, Angrath has been growing on me more and more. Uh, the more I think about him, I thought he was the dumbest character in the world when he was first revealed because like his name is literally anger wrath. Like they just put anger and wrath together for his name. 
If you want to just run away from Arjun and stay, get trapped on another plane for 20 years, just let us know. We'll, like, get some help. No, I don't. Like, listen, if, so this is why I, Angrath has been growing on me. So Angrath, as we know, he, he'll travel away from home and he got stuck for, what was it, 14 years on Ixalan, separated from his family. Listen to me. Listen to me. I would murder everyone on that plane if it meant I found a way home to my family. Okay, taking down notes. Jay is a murderous sociopath. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be a great episode of Making a Murderer one day. So Angrath is really... I, I really enjoy his character, and... I love that, you know, he, once he succeeded in his goal, he's just like, see you never, fools. And he, like, heads to home and has this tender moment with his daughters that he's missed forever. And then... How many weeks later? Uh, like Gets yanked somewhere else? Adds to my theory, he's there against his will. Yeah, and then a few weeks later, he's on Ravnica. And I don't envy anyone who gets in his way. So let's move on to final thoughts. My final thought is, as we were recording this, apparently Danny Trejo uh, just revealed that he's going to be playing the monkey in the Dora, the Explorer movie, and it's just blowing my mind here. Lorelai? My final thought is that this Friday, March 29th, Yoshi's Crafted World coming out on the Switch. If you like platformers, uh, the Yoshi games have always been fantastic. They start out really accessible. So, like, uh, the way Yoshi's Willy World worked is that you could play through the game pretty reasonably if you were a young gamer. But if you wanted to complete everything, that game was so hard. My friend and I had a great time playing co-op on it um, and, and actually, like, fully completing the entire game. That was a blast. It's one of the best platformers I've ever played. So I'm very pumped for Yoshi's Crafted World. Um, Again, it has co-op. So if you like co-op games and co-op platformers, it's phenomenal. So parents with kids, great. You and a friend, great. You and a date, great. Even better. I'm very excited. I'm I'm so pumped for this game. It's adorable. Yeah, thank them for sponsoring the podcast episode. (laughs) (laughs) Get that Nintendo money. God, I wish... (laughs) <laughs> that would be great. I, I'm all on board. Do you know how awesome it would be to get Nintendo money? Are you kidding? All right. So my final thought is that ever since watching Captain Marvel, I've had um, the song sung by Brie Larson in Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, um, which is a cover of Black Sheep from Metric, I think the, the band's name stuck in my head off and on for the last like week and change so it's just like <sighs> anyone who tells you that listening to the full song gets rid of the song stuck in your head is lying to you <laughs> also goat balls thank you chris rd19 in the live listener chat that is a test of metal reference <laughs> don't read it <laughs> that's what we can tell you <laughs> They're like, there's a lot of magic novels out there. Don't, we're not even, we're not even going to dunk on testimonials. <laughs> yeah. Carrie? I have two final thoughts. I know this is breaking the rules. But we only have budget for one. 
Too bad. <laughs> the second one's on your own time. I've been doing the Duelist stories on my website as a replacement for the magic story each week. Then I realized there are far too many Duelist stories that I want to transcribe and publish. So I'll probably be publishing multiple a week, either Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or all five days, depending on my willpower. The second one is I'm excited for War of the Spark because if Tefiri meets Obnexilis, Tefiri's just going to ask Ob, like, why didn't you just eat the Hedron? Like, <laughs> that's a surefire way to get it back, huh? Crunch. <laughs> So now I'm just imagining, um, so the aligned hedron network that they built to capture Ulamog. So it's all these hedrons all in a row. And now I'm just imagining Ob going around like Pac-Manning one after another. <laughs> oh, God. To get his spark waka, back. Waka, 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 waka. <laughs> uh, so, so if you two enjoy the ridiculous things we say on this podcast, we encourage you to head over to patreon.com slash thevorthoscast, where you can help support the show. And give Brian his final thought. <laughs> yeah, sometimes give Brian his final thoughts. Because um, everyone who supports the show gets access to our Vorthos Cast Discord, where we discuss all kinds of magic things, our adorable pets, upcoming games, lots of memes. And children. Yeah, I guess your child, you selfish. We do have the parenting channel. <laughs> we'll plug that. We do actually have a parenting channel. That is correct. I take back my accusation of selfishness jay anyway so everyone who supports our show gets access to that discord and you get the satisfaction of taking part in keeping the show going because we could not continue recording and releasing episodes without donations from y'all so thank you so much to everyone who has supported us on patreon over almost a year now thank you all for listening this has been the vorthos cast